Good morning. This is Aya Wimala. Sorry, I'm a little bit late. Had some had an important uh, Bikuni conversation before before I uh, joined you, and I'd like to share with you today some uh, wonderful uh, takeaways I had from a, a talk this morning from uh, Ajahn Punadamo. And they're about meditation, so uh, they're, they're, it's some really good points about it that I think would be good to just remind people about. So when we have, there are certain kinds of meditation. He began his talk saying that there are certain certain types of meditation that are helpful working with different defilements that we have. And uh, he made it very clear from the beginning in his talk that there isn't just one way to meditate. There isn't, you know, it's not, it's, it's probably not even good to talk about right and wrong ways to meditate. But there are a lot of different kinds of meditation, lots of different uh, meditations that will appeal to one personality over another. And so it's good to know and different situations in our lives that will make a difference. So working with defilements, he gave some examples. If you're, if you're working with anger, especially if you have, see that, you know, anger arising, or if you tend to be an uh, angry person, that metta, of course, metta is um, the best practice to work with anger. But he said, uh, often you see that a person who is dealing with, deals with anger, and that's one of their main defilements, that they will maybe, he suggests metta practice, of course. And he said, if somebody isn't, tends to be a person with that angry nature, they're not going to like metta, metta. They're going to think it's kind of, I can't remember the expression he used, but they're going to think it's kind of mushy or soft or something. So they may be resistant. And someone who just loves metta from the very beginning, they probably don't have as many issues with anger. So that might be one clue. How, how do you feel about metta practice? And uh, like, like me, he, he's uncomfortable with loving kindness as the best translation because Loving-kindness may be part of what sounds um, weak or too gushy or something to some people. And he likes to use the words goodwill or benevolence. And I think Abhanteji likes um, loving-friendliness. So there's a range of words you can use. That goodwill is is a nice way to keep it from being um, sounding too too sentimental, maybe. And if you're dealing with uh, desire or sensual desire or even uh, any kind of lust or uh, grasping, wanting to cling, the body contemplation and the corpse meditation were two that he recommends. And 
uh, he said, you know, in back in the days of the Buddha, you would you would use in the meditation is given that someone is viewing, meditating with a with a dead body in a uh, laying out in nature, and that's the way the meditation is taught. He said that makes it difficult for us to do that today, but we can use our imagination. We can have a visual image, and uh, that and the body contemplation, when we focus on just the parts of the body, and we can uh, use that if that's effective, those are things that help us detach from that craving or that uh, sensual desire. So those can be helpful. And for anxiety, he, he talked about focusing on breath in the belly. That, that, that's a place that we can really feel our breath. And I know as with me, you've done both of the, we've done the breathing where we're aware of the feeling around our nostrils, but also working with the breath in our belly. Just because the belly rises and falls. And so if there's anxiety that you're dealing with, he recommends focusing on that belly breath. So I thought those were some useful uh, useful comments. And uh, he talked about some other different kinds of meditation and there, that we don't have, we shouldn't be limited to just one. So Vipassana meditation, and he, his, his experience has been with Mahashi Sayadaw's uh, Vipassana meditation. And he said that the technique is meant to help achieve awareness of all states. And that's one specific kind of meditation, but we don't have to be limited to that. And I, uh, a question I have is to find out more about specifically about Mahashi Sayadaw's techniques. Maybe I can share something with you about from that. And Vipassana means insight. And Samadhi, which we know is uh, concentration or that unity of mind. He said there are a lot of, uh, there's a wide range of objects that we can use when we're wanting to get that, that uh, real sense of uh, a unified mind. And for some people, the casino techniques are very good, but it's for some people. And casino is when people are working with color, focusing on certain colors, and there are some techniques for that. I haven't practiced that. That hasn't, but I know that's something you can check out. It's K-A-S-I-N-A if you're interested. But he said, whatever techniques and whatever objects, the object could just be your breath, the object could be something else, but it's whatever helps you, whatever helps you get unity of the mind. And if you can easily get that unity of your mind, that, that uh, really uh, grounded sense of mental unity, you can, whatever works, if it's your breath, if it's looking at a candle, if it's uh, 
watching the breath around your nose or watching it in your belly. If you feel like that's helping you get everything concentrated just in the mind is just uh, in that really, uh, well, it's very calm, very tranquil, and it just keeps, it just stays there. And that's because it's becoming more concentrated or unified and balanced. Uh, Whatever works in your meditation, you can try different objects, or you can just stay with what's working with you. And then uh, another quality is focus. And he said usually uh, helping us focus is the the tip of the nose. And, excuse me, there are uh, some, there's the Vasudhimaga has a couple of points that uh, are different from what most what most monks now uh, agree about. So we can talk about the Vasudhimaga and these points another time. And then to stabilize a depressive mind, and goodness, the pandemic has probably helped create uh, more depressive minds. To stabilize that, he recommends we need to bring up joy which I thought was a beautiful point. We need to have ways to arouse joy because that's the antidote to that depressive mind. So to bring up joy, and this is the, we can focus on the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, or we can focus on Dewas or on virtue itself. So we can when we when we want to focus on the buddha we can bring up those qualities of the buddha in our mind and these are the qualities that we would want to be working on as well but we can bring up the qualities that the buddha uh talks about and that he achieved in able to even be become a buddha but we can think of those beautiful qualities like patience and determination and wisdom and um, re- renunciation and metta. Uh, you know, that we, we have so many qualities that when we think of the Buddha, we see so clearly. Meditating on those qualities and allowing them to arise and the things... When you think of the Buddha as a teacher, what are the qualities that you see? What are the qualities that, then those are the things that can also uplift us. And, and you know, to some degree, you see those qualities in yourself as well. So, and he talked about uh, visualizing dewas. And dewas are those, uh, they're invisible to us, but they're, they're on a different realm of consciousness. So if we visualize the dewas, and we might visualize angels or some other kind of heavenly figure, but they're, they're not on the human plane of existence. He says that can help us remember that there are higher states of consciousness. So if you're feeling depressed or 
that kind of low, what are we calling it now, languishing feeling from the pandemic, visualizing higher states of consciousness, not trying to just travel there, but just visualizing uh, dewas. Those are spirits. Those are uh, uh, beings who are in that particular realm of consciousness, invisible to us, though. But it's a higher state of consciousness. We can remember those and think about those dewas and think about maybe uh, look up some of the teachings where the Buddha you know, the Dewas would come down and ask the Buddha to teach. And they came down and asked him, uh, tell us what are the greatest blessings for, for beings. And some of the most beautiful talks the Buddha gave were uh, because the Dewa came down and asked the Buddha a question. Because those Dewas wanted the teachings of the Buddha as well to help them. Uh, but that can help you. If you're depressed, that can help you think about there are these higher states of consciousness where we can be, we can move ourselves out of uh, unhappy or uh, disturbing emotional states. But that's, that's the possibility that we want to work with as well. And we can contemplate those formless states um, we just can, when he talked about contemplating formless states, he talked about working with meditations on the elements, but the way he was doing it is um, you can, we can go through the elements from the more gross to the more subtle and move uh, into more spaciousness and openness for ourselves. So we can, we can see the most Looking out, we can see kind of the the gross, like if there's a big factory or a power line or a parking lot or a lot of buildings, kind of visually remove some of those and begin seeing things. Uh, so then we see more nature. And then eventually we even uh, visualize the just the earth itself with with nothing on it, just the earth. We go from uh, grosser to more subtle levels all the way to nothingness. And that nothingness is that spaciousness. Then we can feel uh, more spaciousness. And when we send metta and we send it out to all beings out through the universe where we radiate metta, that's also uh, taking us from this mundane, from samsara, out to the uh, total spaciousness. And that's part of the, the beauty. And uh, we do that with metta practice, with compassion practice, with uh, sending out that appreciative joy, and also even equanimity. We can send it out to the... to the. It's a, Those are boundless qualities. So we can... Watch it radiate out into all of the universe and beyond that. And that can help lift us and, and uh, kind of, uh, what was that? There were Calgon bath, uh, this is probably long ago for a lot of you, but uh, what some Calgon bath powders or 
bath beads or something. They would lift you, lift you out of the mundane world. I can't remember the, the line or the lingo, but if you took, if you took a bath, a bubble bath in Calgon, uh, it would spirit you away or lift you up. Well, we can do that if we meditate with these qualities that are boundless and we can have a taste of that open spaciousness, boundless, uh, the boundless quality that we we're, we don't feel very often, so we can practice it in meditation. Lift That'll lift our spirits. Calgon, take me away. Thanks, Maggie. <laughs> Calgon, take me away. So instead we can, if you want a Calgon uh, experience, uh, try using those meditations that lift our spirits and let us see the boundlessness, how, how really beyond any, uh, any other way of understanding it, we can see the spaciousness and uh, just the clarity and the, the beauty of things way beyond what we can mentally wrap our heads around. Metta practice can, t- can do that for us. We can use metta practice just continually opening and opening and opening. And he talked about postures for meditation. And uh, he had a couple of tips that, that I think were really good. Uh, so most of, we, most of you know these. Sitting meditation, walking meditation, meditation. Uh, then there's also standing meditation and lying down meditation. And when uh, this is one thing that I see done differently, and now I'll change the way I do it if I'm in a leading meditation in a long period. He said, it's, it's good when we're in an extended time for meditation. You know, typically we'll sit and then walk and then sit and walk. And he reverses that. He said, actually, it's it's better to walk first, do walking meditation first, and then sit. And, you know, it makes sense, really. I mean, I think that's a good idea. I think I'm going to switch the way. If I'm doing a retreat or a workshop, I'll start with sitting and then move to walking. So he said, reverse that. So if you, if you have, if you're able to do walking meditation and then come in and, or find a beautiful spot outside and do sitting meditation, try it, try the reverse of what you've done. And, um, lying meditation, we all know that the, that the, it's, uh, can be a problem if you don't want to go to sleep is doing, doing it when you're in bed or say, before, right before you go to bed. But he said, actually, doing meditation before we go to sleep is wonderful. It's a great time to do it. But when we're meditating, what we can do, if we're in bed, we can begin meditating and then let our awareness be able to, what we're working towards, the goal would be to see be aware of the breath that becomes the breath you take just as you fall asleep. 
So you be, you be, you will become aware of meditation and then you can become aware of getting, feeling drowsy. And then if, if you're doing this going to sleep, you become aware of feeling drowsy and then you want to have the awareness up to that last breath before you fall asleep. Um, and you can have the intention, may I catch the last breath before I fall asleep. And talking to uh, another another person, another beacony who we, we were talking about the talk afterward, we both thought that was really a beautiful uh, way to think about it. So falling asleep consciously can be a good rehearsal for the stages of death because they are the same. So uh, that is very powerful. If we can learn to fall asleep, and some of us who are late night people or have insomnia, uh, perhaps that could be one of the reasons we have ins uh, uh, insomnia. There might be some anxiety about falling asleep, or worries about not being able to fall asleep. So the steps uh, falling asleep consciously can be a good rehearsal for stages of death. They are the same. I thought that was beautiful. So practice um, meditation. If this is one idea. certainly doesn't have to be what you do if you don't want to, or uh, uh, you can do it in addition to uh, other techniques you enjoy. But watching, here's what, here's what our attention needs to be when we do that. I want to read the, the intention so you have that. May I catch the last breath before I fall asleep. So allow yourself to become drowsy. Now, don't do this when you are lying down. Um, be aware of becoming drowsy. And then keep your awareness, though, even as you become drowsy and just before you actually fall asleep. So that's good practice. That's really uh, very good awareness of watching that process. Um, and his uh, one of the things he said at the end, he said, just remember, remember this, don't be too rigid in any one method, but also not too loose. He said, don't go too much out of the bounds of uh, what, what meditation is and what we're, you know, what our, what our intentions are. Don't get too loosey-goosey. But don't be rigid in just one method, that it's really okay to practice lots of different methods. So I thought that was a beautiful talk. Um, and I, I, have, I have to admit, I, was, it, I wanted to ask a lot of questions, and there was one sutta that he mentioned about, uh, that, that describes the working with uh, the elements to get to a kind of clear everything off our screen of the world until we we can just kind of see, just get into that boundless experience of uh, 
the boundless experience that opens up spaciousness for us and really lets us see beyond me and mine and what's happening in my little world and what's happening, you know, to the people that, that I care about. And um, the, the, more, the more we can learn how to experience that, the more liberated we'll, we'll feel and the more joy we can arise. But he, he mentioned a sutta in the Majjhima Nikaya, and I didn't catch the name of it, so I wanted to ask him that question later, and I didn't do that. Uh, so I think I'll write him and ask him the questions I had. But uh, those are beautiful points to work with, and I hope they're helpful for you. And if you're a brand-new meditator, don't feel overwhelmed with all these different kinds of meditation. But gradually, you'll find some that we, there's some that we'll gravitate towards. And like he said, if you're someone who's an angry person, you probably don't like metta practice. And it's probably because you think it's uh, silly or sentimental. So sometimes if we are uncomfortable with a particular meditation, it might be because that's maybe the, the medicine that we need to take. But we don't have to uh, force ourselves gradually. Gradually we'll, we'll uh, get to what we need. But the main thing is that we need to do it. So if you, if we didn't practice today and we're just about out of time, but um, the main thing to do is to spend some time every day with your practice and it can be in any of these, you know, if you can get out and you're by yourself and you can take a walk. Remember, if you're walking, the focus of your attention is on your, is on your body moving. It's on, it's especially you can watch your uh, feet moving, this, that motion of your feet, one, lifting one foot up and moving it through space. And then the other one begins to move before the other one is all the way down. You can observe that. You can observe your body just moving through space instead of uh, focusing your attention on your breath. And you don't have to, you can, you can walk in a saunter. You can walk with your hands uh, down and swinging a little bit. You don't have to. Uh, look odd. You might be walking somewhere in public and you don't have to feel uncomfortable doing it, but you're focusing on, uh, you're not, you're not letting your head go everywhere. Uh, you have to have your eyes open, of course, and you have to watch and see that you're not about to get run over by a bicycle or, you know, you, you definitely are aware of uh, where you are, but your your focus is on your body moving, and uh, we're not getting sidetracked with thoughts about what we're seeing, like oh, there's that plant that I want one of those for my yard, or there's my there's a certain kind of bird. We're more it's a, it's more an open awareness, and it's more. Uh, that awareness is on the movements, you know, walking. We very rarely pay attention to ourselves, the physical, our physical body, 
uh, when we're walking. And we can easily get distracted and be looking at everything that's around. So if your head seems to be on a swivel, that's probably not how you want to do walking meditation. But um, there's that, there's metta practice, there's just sitting quietly in samita um, and finding that tranquility, that calm tranquility, then that's what we want to start with because we want to learn how to allow our minds to become calm and let go of a lot of the chatter. So that might be something that we want to spend a lot of time on because there's so much chatter all the time in our heads. But it's beautiful to think about arousing joy by uh, thinking, of, uh, visualizing spaciousness and also visualizing, I think one I left out, also uh, visualizing these beautiful qualities in the Dhamma, in the, in the Buddha, and the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Uh, and virtues, we can, you know, we can even be thinking of the virtues, good, the good qualities that we want to have, and be thinking of those qualities that we do embody, and that we do know that that are growing in us. So let it be. Let your meditation have a lot of beauty in it for you, for you personally, and uh, try different. Try different things and find what works works for you. And that will change over time. So I think with that, it's good to see all of you. And I think with that, just uh, please sit today if you haven't already. Try sitting at some point during the day and begin to make it a habit. And if you if you do that, uh, it will grow. And if you experiment and try different kinds of meditation, then you'll, you'll understand meditation, I think, more. But um, don't get lost in that experimenting and that moving back and forth, right? Because that can create, a con- that can create confusion uh, and maybe a little bit too much uh, if you find something that works, maybe you do that predominantly, but then that will keep changing, but it doesn't need to be uh, frantic. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, too, to all of you.